are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Open your Bible, please, to uh, Luke chapter 19, something I've shared here before, and it just came to my mind while Mike was singing. And I really changed my sermon. I'd... Let me tell you the story here uh, in Matthew chapter 20 and 25 and in Luke chapter 19. I don't know which one I asked you to open to first, Luke 19. All right, verse 11 down through verse 27, you have the parable of the ten pounds. You read verse 1, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable unto them, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They was expecting that Christ would then establish his earthly kingdom. And because they were near Jerusalem and there was a large crowd, they thought, this is it. He will now take his place on David's throne and establish his earthly kingdom. Because they thought that, according to verse 11, Jesus spoke this parable. That's the reason for the parable. He said unto them, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Keep in mind, they're expecting him now to establish the earthly kingdom. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately be manifested, that is, Christ would take his place on David's throne, they thought this was it. By the way, all during the New Testament, they kept thinking that any moment he would set up his earthly kingdom. Even just before his ascension, in Acts chapter 1, they asked him, Wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They didn't ask him, would he restore the kingdom? They knew he would. But it was a matter of timing. Is this the time for you to set out on David's throne and restore the kingdom to Israel? And he answered in Acts, it is not given you to know the time or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power or hands, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses and so on. Now, in Acts 1, they're expecting him at that time to establish the kingdom just immediately before his ascension. But he said, it's not given you no know, time. And in this passage, they are near Jerusalem, and that's where he's going to set on David's throne in Jerusalem. And they're thinking he's about to establish his earthly kingdom now, and because they thought that, verse 11, he gave this parable, and here's the parable. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Now, there's the ascension and the return of Christ, promised in one verse. He's going away, he's coming back. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now with that he's telling what he expects us to do in his absence. Jesus is going away to heaven. He's not going to establish the kingdom immediately. They think so, but he said, Oh no, not now. I'm going away to receive for myself a kingdom. By the way, Jesus went back to heaven to receive for himself a kingdom. If you were to read very carefully Philippians chapter 2, you would find that because he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore are because of that God hath, not God is going to, but God hath, past tense, highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. And may I tell you, if you read Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 and following, 
which is the story of Christ coming back with the great armies of heaven. You will notice he's not coming back to be crowned king. There won't be a coronation day. When he comes back riding on a horse in Revelation 19, the Bible said he's clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. On his thigh is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he has many crowns on his head. He's not coming back to be crowned. He's already crowned when he makes his appearance, when he's coming back. So when this parable said that the, the nobleman goes away to receive for himself a kingdom, that's the ascension of Christ going back to heaven to receive for himself a kingdom. And while I'm speaking to you now, Jesus Christ is already king. He has not yet been, uh, um, he has not yet taken his place on David's throne, but he is already king. God hath already highly exalted him. And God has already given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And when Christ comes again and takes his place on David's throne and reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords, every knee will bow to Christ, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't ask men anymore, will you confess Christ as Lord? I ask them now, when will you confess him as Lord? It's not a matter of whether or not you will. It's a matter of not when you will. Everybody someday is going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, according to Philippians chapter 2. Now look back down to the passage again. He said, a certain nobleman, and remember, this is a parable, and he gave the parable because they thought that the kingdom should immediately appear. Verse 11. A certain nobleman goes into a far country to receive for himself the kingdom. That's Christ. He's gone to heaven to receive for himself the kingdom. He has already been highly exalted and given a name which is above every name. He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords with many crowns on his head, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. And notice what it says. He not only goes to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. You expect me to establish the kingdom now? No, I'm going to give you a little parable. The nobleman goes away and receives a kingdom, and then he returns. There's going to be a period here before I sit on David's throne and establish my earthly kingdom. First, I'm going away, and then I'm going to return. Don't you get the picture there? Very clear. Now, keep reading it. Verse 13, And he called unto him, that's that nobleman who goes to the far country, that's heaven, that's where Christ is now. He called unto him his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now that's the Lord saying to his servants, he goes back to heaven. Now that's a message to all of us. All of us are his servants. God expects all of us to do something as far as service is concerned in this world. I'll say more about that in a minute. But our business as Christians in this earth is to occupy until Christ comes. Actually, 2 Corinthians says we're to occupy in his stead. Paul said, I pray you in Christ's stead. Christ is not here. Christ cannot plead with you to be reconciled to God. So I'm standing here, Paul said, as an ambassador in Christ's place. And I plead with you, be reconciled to God. Now, people, we have a tremendous, we have a tremendous responsibility. We are to occupy in Christ's stead in his place until he comes. He's not here. He can't look out over Jerusalem and weep like he did when he was here. 
and say, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you together? He can't do it. He's not good. He can't heal the sick, and he can't feed the hungry, and he can't stop under the sycamore tree and call Zacchaeus down and, and take him home and be converted. He can't stop by the highway side and open the eyes of blind Bartimaeus. He can't stop when they stoned the adulterous woman and, and went her to Christ. He's not here. But he says, we are to occupy in his place. And how long were we to do it? Look at it. Verse 13, he said to his servants, here's a pound of peace, and I want you to occupy till I come. And that's our whole business in the world, is occupying till he comes. Occupying till he comes. Occupying till he comes. Down at my office. Over at the shopping center. Uh, at the school this year. You know, I want our high school this year to be more spiritual than it's ever been. I want our young people. I thank God this morning when, when Hank Hay came and said, God has called me to preach. I'm going to be UA. You know, I rejoice to have, uh, have people from Florida and other states coming here as preacher boys to go to BUA. But I, I must admit that I rejoice maybe even more when I see kids that came up through this church and through our own school system come out and say, God has called me to preach. Sometimes I wonder if God sometimes forgot me when it comes to my own young people here. God has given me some ability to stir the hearts of preachers across America. But I think about my, my, my own young people, they seem to turn out worse than the other folks do. And I wonder what's happened with them, my own people. And so God sort of blessed me and encouraged me when Hank said, God's called me to preach. And when Greg Lindsay came forward and said, God wants me in full-time Christian church, I said, Hallelujah, God, you hadn't forgot me. Well, you allowed to call some of those other guys up at Forest Hills in the, in the ministry. And uh, I want them to be great preachers, amen? And our whole business is to occupy, 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 and he's given us something to occupy with. Now notice, he did not have a single servant to whom he did not give something. Notice what it says here, and he gave unto them ten pounds. But his citizens hated him, and this is the attitude of the world toward Christ, and sent a message. The citizens is the Jews, by the way, his own people. They hated him and said, we will not have this man to reign over us. We won't accept him as our Messiah. We don't want him, and the world rejected him. The Jews rejected him. And it came to pass when he was returned. Now here he is coming back. He's gone to receive the kingdom. He gives pounds to his servants. He gives everybody something. He gives everybody something. And he says, Occupy for me till I come back. And then he says, verse 4, 15, And it came to pass when he was returned. Now may I tell you something tonight you already know, but I need to say it over and over to you. Jesus Christ is coming again. And you may fiddle around with your a talent or your pound or whatever God's given you. You may fiddle around with it. But someday you're going to face God for what you, and answer to him for what you did with what he gave you. I'm talking about your salary. I'm talking about your cars. I'm talking about your houses. I'm talking about your abilities. I'm talking about your time. You're going to answer to God for all of it someday. Because the nobleman is going to return, verse 15, when he came to pass, that when he was returned, and having received the kingdom, he's coming back, receives the kingdom, he's coming back now sitting on David's throne, establishing his earthly kingdom, that he commanded, huh, commanded those servants, which ones? Those he gave the pounds to. He commanded them, all right, come in here, John Stansel. I gave you certain abilities. 
There were some things, John, you could do. Come in here. Come on in. Come in, John Reynolds. Come in, LaVoy Johnson. Come on in. He calls everybody's name, but not just preachers, because we're all his servants. And notice, he commands them to be called unto him to whom he had given the money or the talents, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. You say, well, God's really not interested in what I do for him. He's interested in me just getting along with him good. Not hardly, buddy. There's a philosophy now that the main thing is just having a sweet relationship with Jesus and don't do anything, just get along good with Jesus and be sweet. And have a good fellowship and talk to him and feel good. No, that's not right. He is interested in what you do with what he gave you. Now, you don't miss that. Here it is in verse 16. He called him and that he might know, that he might know what? How much every man had gained by trading. How much have you done? With the talent I gave you, how many souls did you win to Christ? With the talent I gave you, how much good did you do for America? With the talent I gave you, how much did you accomplish for me with what I gave you? There's going to be a reckoning there. We call it the judgment seat of Christ. Notice what it said. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And the Lord said, Now, don't be boasting, buddy, about what you've done. Oh, that's not what it says. That's what the modern theologian would say. Well, I wouldn't brag about being the largest in Georgia if I were you. No, the reason you wouldn't is because you don't have but 18 in Sunday school. If you had 2,500, you'd brag about it. You say, God's not interested. Yes, God's interested. The fellow said, hey, Lord, and he's facing God. Eyeball, eyeball. He said, I got 10 pounds for the one pound you gave me. And notice what God said to him. And he said unto him, well, thou good servant. He didn't scold him because he was happy over his success. I think it's right to rejoice over your success. I think it's right to set a goal to baptize 200 and then report, we baptized 200 converts. The ministerial association don't like it. And the folks in town that don't do nothing don't like it, but God likes it. Lord, I've gained 10 pounds with the pound you gave me. Whoa, God, you good and faithful servant. Notice what he said, because I has been faithful in a very little have authority over ten cities. When Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, the Bible said he's going to reign as king of kings and lord of lords. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But Revelation 3.21 says, Blessed is he that overcometh. For him will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Did you know we're going to reign with Christ? You say, what does that mean, have authority over ten cities? It means have authority over ten cities. In the Hebrew, it means have authority over ten cities. In the Greek, it means have authority over ten cities. You know, in the millennium, I might be the mayor of Atlanta. You can't ever tell. Well, I could be that, too. You never know. I might be the mayor of New York City, but here's somebody who had been famous. He said, I'm going to give you ten cities to reign over You're going to have authority while you take care of Atlanta and New York and Los Angeles and somebody else. He gives me authority over cities. When a president is elected, he always chooses his own cabinet. He kicks the others out and gets his own. And when Jesus comes back and he rules over the whole universe, God's going to choose his own cabinet. You say, little John, you've been faithful over a few things. 
I'm going to make you Mayor Scott Dale. <laughs> and Brother Stansel, you was a good bus man. I'm going to make you dog catch at Pea Ridge. <laughs> you never know what God will do. But here's a guy that took one pound and he worked hard with it and he got two pounds. And he worked hard and he got three and four and five. And he worked hard and finally the Lord came and he said, I've turned one pound into ten pounds. You know, I want to take everything God's given me and turn it into everything I'm turning into before he gets it. I'm not satisfied with what we've done. I want to turn this into a thousand times what it is. Well, I'm only 42 years old. I could live another 50, 60 years. In fact, I plan to live another 50, 60. I plan to be preaching 60, 70 years from now. Man's lifespan's increasing. Who knows? I'm taking my vitamins, eating my Wheaties, waiting on the rapture. I may live to be 115 or 20. Dr. Rice still preaching. He's 80. If the Lord don't let me preach and I'm 80, I'm going to think he's got favorites. I'm asking if Dr. Rice wasn't the teacher's pet or something. I want to preach till I'm 82. Now, wait a minute, buddy. He called him in. They said, I had one pound, here's ten pounds. He said, that's wonderful, that's good. You've been faithful. That's a big word, faithful. I like that word. You may not be faithful or flashy, but you can be faithful. You can be faithful. You can just be there every time, tithe every time, read the Bible every day, pray every day, witness to somebody every day. I don't see any reason under heaven why all of us shouldn't witness to somebody every day. That'll be all our goal. If we happen to miss, we ought to make up and do double the next day to make up for the time we miss. But we always say, I can witness to somebody every day I live. Now notice what else it said. And the second, verse 18, came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And notice what he said to him. He said, likewise to him, be thou over five cities. And the other came, said, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. Boy, I preserved it. I wrapped it up in a little napkin. I buried it. And just waiting for you to come back. I want to make sure you got what was yours. The Lord didn't like that. The Lord don't want you to give back to him just what you've got. He wants you to multiply what you've got. Don't just hand back to him what, what talent he's given you. you. You multiply what he's given you. If God gave you the ability to win souls to Christ, and he has given all of us that, and he gave you the gospel message, and you can do something with it, then you use it for God. Use it for God. Notice what he said to this guy. This guy said in verse 21, I feared thee, I was afraid of thee, because thou art an austere man. He knew that. But thou takest up where thou layest not down, and reapest where thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Wait a minute. He just offered back to God what he gave him. No doubling, no tripling, no multiplying. And God said, You're a wicked servant. You knew I was an austere man. Taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest thou my money into the bank? Why didn't you give it into the bank? That on my own coming I might have required mine own with usury. It could have drawn some interest at least. You didn't even put it in the bank to draw a little interest on it. Keep reading. Verse 24, And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that which he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies which would not that I should reign over them. He's going back to making reference to these folks back in verse 14 now. Those that would not have me to reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. That's the people who would not have Jesus Christ as Lord and King and rejected Jesus as Savior. 
He brings them in. He destroys the wicked. And they are slain. They are burned. They are done away with. And he reigns on the earth. And those servants who have been faithful are given responsibility according to their faithfulness. One, five cities. One, ten cities. And one, the talent that he had was taken away from him. Now, this parable has to do with service. It outlines itself. I commented very briefly. This parable teaches that all men have some common opportunity. There wasn't one servant here who did not have some pound. One fellow was given five, one, uh, uh, one, and so on. One gained five, one gained ten, but everyone was given a pound. The pound that thou hast gave, given me gained ten, but everyone was given a pound. They were given opportunity. Let me say, all of us are given opportunity. All of us are given opportunity. Now turn quickly to Matthew chapter 25, please, and I'll be through in just a moment. And I won't even preach this whole parable, but I do want you to see it. This parable is called the parable of the talents. This is called the parable of the talents. Verse 14 of Matthew 25. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. You're not talking about pounds here. And unto one he gave five talents. Now, this is money. It's not abilities. Sometimes we think of talents being ability. We say, well, the Lord in the parable gave some men some talents and some men other talents. And we say he gave so-and-so a talent to play the piano and Mike Moffat a talent to sing and John Stansel a talent to motivate people in the bus ministry. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about ability here. He's talking about money. Talents is money. Keep reading. You'll see about the ability in the next verse. And he said, verse 15, And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. And here's what I want you to get out of this parable. To every man according to his several ability. And straight forth took his journey. The parable in Luke 19 teaches that every man has an opportunity. But the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 shows us that opportunity is given according to our ability. He gave the talents according to their ability. Now, I just think, when Mike was singing, now, Mike has a good voice. He sings well. I don't think Mike's best service is in the nursery. He sings too good to be in the nursery. Now, I'm just trying to make a point here. I don't think we, I don't think we ought to try to force people into a place where their talents don't fit. Because opportunity is given according to every man's ability. Now, if some of you have a good singing voice, you ought to be in the choir. And folks have a good singing voice, and we meet on Sunday morning and you're not in the choir, you dampen the service. Your abilities are not being used to their fullest and to their best for God. God said, I'm giving the, I'm giving the talents or the money according to every man's ability. I'll give Mrs. Jacob an opportunity for service on the organ because she has ability to play the organ. I'll give Mrs. Reynolds an opportunity for service on the piano because she has a, an ability to play the piano. Opportunities for service are given according to our abilities. And that should apply all the way through. Some businessmen in this church have ability to help in the business aspect of this ministry. And I might confess something here that you probably already know. Most preachers are bad businessmen. I failed in at least two business ventures before I became a preacher. 
I'm not a good businessman. God has taken care of me. And I think he's given special wisdom to me because I've been a soul winner. I don't brag about that. But he that wins souls is wise. And I believe a man that tries to win souls, God will give special wisdom to that guy. And God's helped me over a lot of hard places and a lot of decisions I made. I didn't know what I was doing. It had to be divine direction for it to come out right. But I'm not a good businessman. I don't know anything about bookkeeping. I know how to spend money. That's all I know how to do. I can't even raise money good. But what I'm trying to say is that I think in a church like this where you have so many people that God would have all of us to have some responsibility and opportunity for service, but our opportunities ought to be based on our abilities. Would it be foolish to put a CPA down the nursery when he can be a bookkeeper? Amen. You've got to get everybody in their proper place. And you don't want to get the wrong people in the wrong place and get everything running over each other. Then nothing runs right. Now, John, I heard John say bus driver in the background. There are some people ought to drive a bus. There are some people ought not to drive a bus. For the safety of the rest of us. Now, we got a brand new van we just bought and somebody's backed into it already. It's not even a week old. Now, who backed into that don't need to be driving a kiddie car. Or if the fellow who drove it scraped it on something and already got a crease down the side, I creases my britches, but not my buses. I don't, I'm not sure I'll be driving. Now, I know we all may have accidents. I've had about 15 myself. I've run cars in the river and turned them flip-flops and everything else. But I'm just, I'm trying to make a point here. That in the parable of the talents, the talents were given and underlined this expression according to their several ability. God doesn't expect you to do what you can do. But God does expect you to do what you can do. If you can drive a bus, then you ought to drive a bus. And if you can't keep a tune, you ought not to be in the choir. You ought to be driving a bus. You follow that? If you businessmen can make money and you're smart, you ought to make money. And you ought to give money. John Wesley said, make all you can and, and give all you can. But the, and somebody else said, the philosophy today is make all you can and can all you make. But I'm adding to that a little bit. The average philosophy of the American citizen today is make all you can, can all you make, and poison the rest. Don't let anybody else have anything. Now, I'm saying if a businessman here can make 100000 a year, make it, buddy, and use it for God's glory. If you make 40000 a year and you can live off 15000 make it and give 25000 to God. That's the way God expects the work to be carried on. You see? And everybody doing what he can do for God's glory. According to our several ability, opportunities are given. Now, let me go to the parable in Matthew 20, if you will, please. Matthew 20. And I'll close with this one. In the latter part of Matthew 19, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And he says to him, Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said unto him, you know the Ten Commandments? Yes. He said, well, you've got to keep them. He said, which ones? And he named some of the commandments for him. He said, all these have I kept from my youth up. What like I yet? 
And Jesus said, if you have treasures in heaven, go sell what you have and give to the poor and take up your cross and follow me. And you'll have treasures in heaven. And the Bible said the young man went away very sorrowful because he had much goods. Now, when Peter saw this, look at verse 27 verse, of chapter 19, Matthew. Then, then what? When, verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed. Uh, back a little bit further. Verse 22, but when the young man heard this say, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, when he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions, Jesus began to say, how hardly can a rich man enter the kingdom of heaven? It's as difficult as it is for a camel to go through a needle's eye and so on. And verse 27, then answered Peter, when? When Peter heard the conversation the Lord had with the rich young ruler. When Jesus said to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. And the rich man, young ruler walked away sorrowful because he had much goods. Then Peter said to him, behold, we have forsaken all. You ask the rich young ruler to sell his goods and give to the poor. But Lord, we have forsaken all. To follow thee. What shall we have therefore? You promise this rich young ruler eternal life if he'll sell his goods and give to the poor and follow you. And Lord, we have forsaken all. I left my fishing boat. I left my fishing business. I have left everything to follow you. If you're going to give him eternal life for selling his goods and giving to the poor, what are you going to give us? Because we have forsaken all to follow thee. What shall we have therefore? Huh. And Jesus said, Truly I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, that is when the earth is made new, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, he also shall sit up on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Because you followed me, I'm going to give you certain appointments in the kingdom, and you're going to sit on thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. And then that chapter closes, verse 30, with a chapter that sometimes is improperly used. For many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with service. They're talking about now about serving Christ. Now, then in chapter 20, verse 1, all the way down through chapter, uh, verse 15, you have the parable of the laborers in the vineyard that I'm going to talk with you about briefly. And then look at the 16th verse, because that parable of the laborers and, and the vineyard is bordered by two verses that are similar. It's bordered on the front side by verse 30 of chapter 19, which says, Many that are last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And verse 16 says, So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. Now, that has nothing to do with salvation. That has something to do with service. G. Campbell Morgan said, That really is, many are called, but few are choice. Everybody's called to be a servant, but there's some choice servants. Now, you see, those two verses are the borders of the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. Now, let me tell you this parable, because it has to do with service, and it fits into my sermon. Now, here's a parable of a man who has a vineyard. And he goes out in the, in the early morning, in the first part of the day, and he hires some vineyards, people to work, laborers to work in the vineyard. And he says these men stay out early in the morning, i tell you what I'll do. Hey, I'll pay you a penny a day to work in my vineyard. I said, okay, I'll go to work. So he goes out and works. A few hours later, he comes back to hire some others. And he says to them, hey, I want you to work in my vineyard. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a penny a day. I'll give you what's right. What's right, I'll give you. And so they say, okay, they go in and work the remainder of the day. Then 
just about an hour before time to quit. He goes out, and there's some fellows standing there not working. He says to them, why aren't you working? And they said, nobody hired us. He said, all right, if that's all you, if that's your only excuse, I'll hire you, go to work in my vineyard, and whatever's right, I'll pay you. Then when the day was over, listen to me. For the sake of time, I'm not reading the parable, but that's the story. When the day was over, he called in the folks that started early in the morning, worked all morning long, right through the noon hour, all the way through the afternoon into the evening, and they were tired and worn out. And God called them in and paid them. He called those that came in a few hours later, worked for half it, and he paid them. Then he called in those guys that only worked one hour. When he paid them, he reached in his pocket and paid that fellow that worked all day long a penny. Paid the fellow that worked a half a day a penny, and he paid the fellow that worked one hour a penny. And those that worked all day began to murmur. Eh! Now, wait a minute. They had agreed to work all day for a penny. What are they arguing about? They said, we'll work for a penny. They went out and worked. But when the others that worked an hour got a penny, they grumbled and complained. We've called all day in the heat of the day, and you've given us a, a penny, and those fellows only worked an hour, and you paid them as much as you did us. Yeah, can't, 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 can't. And God said, it's mine. Can't I do with mine what I want to? Then he went on to say, many are called, but few are choice. Now, what does this parable teach? This parable teaches that rewards for service is based on faithfulness to the opportunity given. You notice, in this parable, they're being rewarded. Penny, 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 penny. Now, to get the whole picture of this parable, I don't want you to miss it. It's early in the morning, and a, a group of men have nothing to do. They need to work. So they go down to the place where men come by to hire people. They look the crowd over and say, hey, boy, you got a job? No. Aren't you working, man? I'll pay you a penny to work today. Fine. Hey, I'll pay you a penny to work now. I need you. I'll pay you a penny. And off they go. After a while, he comes back, decides he needs some more help. He said, hey, you still standing around here since this morning. You've been here several hours. And you guys, tell you what, do you work for me? I'll give you what's right. Didn't say I want to give them. They said, okay, we'll go. So they joined these guys. And just before quitting time, he goes back and needs somebody else, and he finds some men standing there. Now, wait a minute. These guys have been standing there all day long. They showed up the same time these guys showed up. They showed up the same time these guys showed up. These were hired early in the morning. These were hired later in the day. And these were hired an hour before time to quit. But they waited around seven hours. Not many folk would do that. We used to haul produce. And you'd pull on the market early in the morning. You had a truck to unload. There was always a group of men standing around just talking, drinking coffee. And you just go by there and say, hey, I need eight, uh, eight of you guys to help me unload some trucks. Who wants to work? How much are you going to pay? So much an hour. Well, I'll work. How many? All right, you come on. Some guys wouldn't work. But you wouldn't find many guys hanging around waiting to be hired afternoon. Because he's not going to get to work about two or three hours. He's not going to, he don't even want to work two or three hours. He can't get a full day. He don't work at all. Now, the fact that that guy was still waiting there about an hour before time to go home showed that he really wanted to work. And when the man came out and said, why aren't you working? He said, because nobody hired me. I've been waiting here all day long. They've come by. They hired these guys and they hired these guys and they hired everybody and left me standing here. I want to work. I want to work. But nobody will hire me. He said, all right, come on. Whatever's right, I'll pay you. And that poor guy only worked an hour. But he got a penny. Got the same pay of these guys who worked eight hours. And these guys who worked four hours. You see the picture? The payment for service is based on the faithfulness 
So the opportunity given, whatever that opportunity, he had an opportunity to work an hour, so he gave it all he had an hour. He had an opportunity to work four hours, so he gave it all he had four hours. They had an opportunity to work eight hours, they gave it all they had eight hours, and they all got the same pay. You know what I'm talking about? I have an opportunity that you don't have. But I won't get any more pay than you get. If you are faithful to the opportunity you have. If I stand up tomorrow and speak to 200 people, and there are 20 unsaved people in the congregation, and you only come across one unsaved person tomorrow at the shopping center, and I win all 20 of mine, and you win your one, we'll both get the same thing. You see that? Because you were faithful to the opportunity to get, you had one little old lady. If you sat down on the park bench by and took a track and led the Christ, but that's the only opportunity you had. Well, I had an opportunity to preach to a crowd. You didn't have my opportunity. But pay is paid. And now you teachers will leave here, some of you, and you have smaller towns. Some of you can't do what you can do in Chicago or New York or Atlanta. But you ought to do everything you can do. And you ought to be faithful to the opportunity given if it's a one-horse town with one service station in it and a feed store. You ought to give it everything you got and knock on every door when everybody can. And you have wives. You, you may not have the opportunity somebody else has, but there's a newspaper boy that knocks on the door to collect the money. And there's an insurance man and there's the Avon lady. As a Watkins salesman, know whether they still go around or not. But you have some opportunity. And old sister Flapjaw called you last week on the phone. You talked to her two hours and a half. You have some opportunity. Amen. And you businessman, you'll have some opportunity tomorrow. Somebody will come by. You'll have lunch. Maybe three men are unsaved. You'll have an opportunity. God expects you to do one thing. Be faithful to the opportunity given you, and you'll get your penny just as much as the most famous preacher in the world gets his penny. If you're faithful to the opportunity which God has given you, that guy worked one hour, only had an opportunity to work one hour because he wasn't hired for then. So God paid him a penny. This guy worked four hours because he had an opportunity. He was faithful four hours, he got a penny. These guys work eight hours, they had an opportunity, so they got their penny. Don't you see that? What is your Can you change the diaper in the nursery? Can you make some extra money to give for certain projects? We're trying to buy this house next door. We've been praying for years that God give us that home. Found out uh, about two weeks ago that people moved out two months ago. We didn't buy the house for $31,000. We need 25000 to buy the equity unless we refinance the house. And we hate to refinance it. I'm always asking for money. What should I do about it? Should we go borrow more money? I hate to keep borrowing money and borrowing money and borrowing money. If we can raise money for little things like this alone, there's enough of us to do it. Now, we have an opportunity. Are we going to just raise the 2500 that we have to have in order to have the closing and finance the rest and pay back $230-something a month and add our indebtedness that much? Are we going to get together and raise $25,000 and assume the loan and pay off the 5% loan at $87 a month so it's paid off on a few years old? What are we going to do? We have an opportunity. What can we do? That's all I want to know. What can, we, can we give $5 a piece? And you know, we should not make our decision based on what it's... Everybody gives five, it'll be so much. We should base what we do on what we're able to do. Don't you see that? 
That guy had an opportunity to work eight hours a day. He ought to work eight hours. He was hired. He had eight hours to work. That guy could work four hours. He ought to work four hours. That guy couldn't work but one hour. He wasn't hired till just one hour full time between. Don't base. These guys shouldn't say, hey, we've been working four hours. He just not came to work. So we're going to sit down in the shade and drink lemonade for the last four hours while he works. We put in four this morning. Talk to me. I'm going to sleep on me, buddy. I'm just trying to be honest with you. I'm preaching the Bible to you. We shouldn't judge what we do on what he does. We should judge what we do by the opportunity we have. What do we have we can do, not what others are doing. Blind all that out. What can I do? Do I have a church bond I can give back to the church? Have I bought a BUA certificate I can give back? I paid it off a little bit a month. I don't need it. I never missed it. I can give it all back. And BUA won't even owe that money. I think the truth about it is most of us can give it all back. I know a few church bonds I bought I could give back. I've given several of them back. I have some others. But I've given several back. I'm just saying, what can you do? And don't judge what you do by what somebody else did. Judge what you do by your opportunity, by your ability, what God's given you. If you got $10,000 and you don't need but a 1000 then you ought to give nine. Don't say, we'll all give a 100 we'll all give 50 we'll all give 25 because somebody would be hurting giving 25 more than another fellow giving 2000 Don't you see that? Now, what are we going to do? As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to quit worrying about the other guy. You will answer to God for yourself. And when the king returned, he called, commanded the servants, bring them in. Bring them in, bring them in, bring them in. I know what you had. I know what you could have done, and I know what you did do. Bring them in. What did you do with what I gave you? I'm going to make my decision based on what God has allowed me to do, not what other people are doing. Time's too short. Eternity's too long. I'm going to do all I can with God while I'm here and whenever soul I can. Make all the sacrifice I can and put something into my Christianity and make my kids think that Christianity and the Bible and winning souls is something valuable to me because of the investment I put in. By the way, I just brought that last part in. We ought to pray about that house. We've been wanting it for years. It's for sale. We've got a contract on it. We've got 30 days to close it. Could we raise 25000 and pay the equity and take up the loan? I don't really believe God wants us to refinance it. If we have to do it, we'll do it, because I think we ought to get it. That's the only property that keeps us from having all the way to the corner and all the way down to the other corner. That means when, as soon as we close the deal and get some money, we can go ahead and pay parking all the way back up to that to Hollywood Drive back up here. And we can clean these houses out and make Sunday school classes in these houses up here. We can have that much space immediately. We could even put some school classes over there if we had to. We could put out wonder air conditioners and fix school classes, first grade, second grade, use it during the day, every day. We could expand our Christian schools. We could expand our Sunday schools. We could expand our parking area. Get more entrance out into Valley Brook Road. We gotta have more space if we grow where we, we're going to go. Now let's seize the opportunities God gives us. God says, okay, I'll hire you. You can put in eight hours. Say, okay, I can help you to work eight hours. I'll work eight hours. I can help you to work four hours. I'll work four hours. I don't have to work but one hour, but I'll give it all I got for one hour. Okay, if you do that and God knows it's true, God will pay you all the same. Show you something else. If he had an opportunity to work eight hours and only work seven, and he had an opportunity to work one hour and work one hour, he'll get more pay for one hour and he got seven. Don't you see the payment in the parable of the labor and the vineyards was based on 
opportunity for service. It's based on opportunity. He worked seven hours, but he could have worked eight, so his tail would be less than the fellow who worked one when he only could work one. Let's all do what we can for Jesus, what do you say? Let's pool our resources. Let's double our efforts. Let's combine our efforts. Let's go after this city like nobody ever has gone after this city. Let's double this adulthood. Let's buy that house. Let's pay that lot. Let's increase our Sunday school space. And let's see it go on and on and on and on and on for God till Jesus comes. Because the king who went away is coming. He's going to say, okay, servant, come on in. Oh, wait a minute, we're not through. It's time. You've got to quit or you're through or not. Come on in. Come on in. Well, I had planned, Lord, next year to do so-and-so. Too late now. Come on in. Come on in. But I had planned. I was waiting to see how this, uh, uh, I was waiting to see what the economy was going to do. It's too late now. Come on in. I wouldn't wait about nothing, buddy. I'd do what I could for Jesus now. Amen. Good night. Let's do something big for God. What do you say? I'm proud of these pea-shooting Christians. Let's get some, let's get some cannons and go to fire for God. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.